Hey, Pasa, Peaks and Valleys family. My name is TK Trinidad, and I've been in the broadcast industry for about 10 years now. And you wouldn't believe how everything is changing. For example, podcasts. Before you needed expensive equipment like mics and headphones, but now all you need is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First off, it's absolutely free. Second, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. Make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Peaks and Valleys with TK Trinidad. Ciao, guys. They say it is the darkest before the dawn. But what do you do before the dawn comes when all you have is candles and nightlights guiding your path until morning, until your sight is restored and you can see your way out, your way through, your way to the other side. You push with all your might until the day breaks and your victory comes. This is Peaks and Valleys with TK Trinidad. So we have the truth teller, comedian, podcaster, correspondent of The Daily Show, father, the man, the myth, the legend, Roy Wood Jr. is in the house. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Very much so. Good. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're here and we're still alive. So that's always a, a good thing. Um, so let's get into it. Let's just talk about a time in your life. And um, I, I've been doing some extensive research. So you've, you've done a lot which is always great. But let's talk, talk about a, a time in your life where um, just stuff got real and you didn't know if you, if you were actually going to come through. I haven't told the story often, but the, the professionally, I'd say the biggest one was the time I ran out of gas. Uh, the time I was headed to a gig and the gig canceled. And that gig was supposed to be my gas money to get home. So now I have no, I don't have enough. I, I got like a quarter tank, mm -hmm. but to get back to Birmingham, I probably need three quarters. So in those days at those cash prices, I probably need like, I don't know, man, about $15, like not a lot of money. Like, and right. I maybe had like four, I had enough. like in those days, I guess even still now you could eat at the comedy club you know, mm -hmm. so I I really feel like that was like how I got by most nights, which is eating food at the club. The trick I figured out the way to get two meals was to show up extra early right. for first show. You know, like if first show is at eight, you show up to the club at seven and you're so ridiculously early that they're not really thinking about ringing up stuff. And, you know, whatever. right. And then you get another meal on the way out the door. And that counts as your official comedian meal that you're you gotta work the system yeah. how old were you when this happened uh, early 20s so, okay you know 22 23 i'm working the road and that's how i'm paying the bills and then there was like i'm working the road i'm paying the bills right and then i start looking at working in radio so mm -hmm. I'm interning, but I'm not getting paid for real, for real. So the road is how I'm paying my bills, but just barely. Right. Like literally barely. At this point, it's like, I don't know, it's probably like seven o'clock at night. 
and I pull into a truck stop and and I just I went to sleep. And so the next day, like early in the morning, like sleeping in the car was my thing. Like that's mm-hmm. what I always was into. And I woke up at three in the morning. And it's fucking freezing. It's freezing. So I let the engine run long enough for the car to get warm. So it's warm enough for me to fall back asleep. And then, you know, an hour later, you'd wake up to frost covered windows, shaking cold. And that's wash, rinse, repeat. Like that's how I, I slept through the night in like 90 minute intervals until it got unbearably cold. And then I would warm the car up enough for me to be able to go back to sleep. So I wake up in the morning at like five o'clock in the morning and there's like construction looking ass dudes going in the truck stop or whatever. Mm -hmm. I didn't think nothing of it. And I go in and I'm dressed pretty much like I am not like just like a sweatshirt and a hat. Like I had no stage persona or presence at that time. So I go into the truck stop and one of the guys in the truck stop, he goes, you wearing the wrong shoes. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, if you're doing to, if you're trying to work at the construction site today, you got to have boots. With what little money I had left and this brother, you know, giving me a couple dollars, I got a pair of construction boots. Come to find out they were working at a construction site for a temp service place. So I followed them over to the temp service place and signed up for some day labor. And I worked day labor that day to make enough to get home. Turns out also, if you drive people to the construction site when you work Mm -hmm. for a day labor place, they give you a $5 bump per person in your vehicle. may not have been five, it might have been $3, something like that. But my point is, that was enough to cover the money that I owed the dude (laughs) for the boots. Uh, So I still got my full check. But, you know, you just have to sometimes sit still and the universe will show you. It'll, it'll show you the way, you know, anything that you really are about and passionate about. It, it's going to be hard if you truly want it. So at that point, were you just like, I should be doing something else or like what? What? Because I'm sure there's so many other stories where, you know, stuff got, you know, stuff happened before you are where you are right now. So what kind of. Was there self-talk or what did you tell yourself to continue moving on? I thought this was my last day. I, the, the plan was to go to sleep, wake up in the morning and suck it up and tell my mom I'm quitting. And can she send me some money so I can come home? Because at this point, wow. you've exhausted every person you can call. Like, you don't, you've done all that shit. And I got too much pride for that to keep asking. You know, I'm not afraid to ask, but... You know, like there wasn't like, I wish I could tell you some. I looked up in the sky and I said, Lord Jesus, it did you. <laughs> I do not rap. I just, I said, like, all right, this is it. But what's the way? There has to be a way. No, this is it. All right, let's sleep. All right, wait back up. Oh, shit. Still cold, still broke. <laughs> Fuck. Like legit, like doing like space shuttle calculations where, okay, on a quarter tank, if I need three quarters of a tank, what's the fuel efficiency? If I add two more gallons and then I'm at almost half a tank, if I'm at three eighths of a tank at 51 miles an hour instead of the traditional 75, how much further could I go on? If a train leaves Phoenix, (laughs) like I was starting to run those equations in my head, but you know, 
you look up and, you know, there it is. There's an opportunity. You know, I've always said everything that I am career wise is rooted in the fact that strangers or people who didn't need who who I couldn't do anything for did something right. for me. So when that happened and other incident incidents like that did happen, was that just you figuring, OK, the universe is telling me to this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, OK, well, well, not in that moment. It didn't tell me that in that moment or that day. That weekend became the new barometer for job stress. If whatever I'm going through, if it's not as dire as that that night in Kentucky, then it's then I'll get I'll be fine. That moment, that instance informed how I handled future stressful situations. Okay. Like, I don't think there's a point in my life that I've ever felt more. What am I doing? Why I should just go and just, I like, like I should go back to Golden Corral. No disrespect to anyone in the food service. Right. It's, like, yeah, it's. It wasn't for me, but that, that was like the thought. Because Miss Darlene told me, she said, whenever you want me to put you back on the schedule, baby, you just let me know. <laughs> and so now you get, you get to that. Head. You get to that point because you've worked, you know, some crazy jobs and you're doing this. And, and you know, I've, I've heard on other shows that you, you're a child of educators. And, you know, how do you do the comedy thing? And they're looking at you kind of like, you know, you could be having a job and, you know, you don't have to be struggling. How do you fight that? Because I have I have that same thing, too, where my parents are just like just working like my mom works for the government, just just working nine to five. And there's no struggle. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, how do you what, what's your self talk with that? I think our parents are from a different generation where the goals for them were a lot of things that they were denied. So just having the access to those things, I think that's why they have a value or a higher value and that there's stability in them. Mm-hmm. It's not that my parents have ever been wrong. Yeah, it would be easier to have just gone and get this, that, and a third job. But I don't think I would have ever been happy. My mom was content with me graduating college. That was the deal we made was, okay. hey, if you get the degree, because like, I, I started doing stand-up while I was in college and I asked her, you know, she didn't like it. She didn't approve of it. But I said, if I make good grades, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. But, <laughs> but that was the basic deal was if you're making good grades, I don't. She said, if you're making good grades, I don't care what you do. So I said, I bet, <laughs> you know, the grades were solid. You know, up until that point, my grades was wild. So I it's like she had nothing to lose. Like I was making a wild bet. Like, like I'm walking into this conversation with a 2.5 GPA. So I'm like, <laughs> Bet you I make the dean's list. <laughs> she was like, I'll take that bet. <laughs> Shut her ass up, too. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. So, like, with everything that you have going on now today, so, you know, you're on The Daily Show, you have your specials and stuff like that. Do you do you go back to, like, like, like you were talking about, like, when stuff gets hard in entertainment life like you know stuff doesn't necessarily go right in that particular time do you take yourself back to that moment in kentucky sometimes like even in, there in present a moment day in my career there isn't a moment in my career that can happen that will be as bad as kentucky period 
nothing will be as dire as that night. So I walk into any and everything as if I'm playing with house money with, you know, an extreme lack of fear of not necessarily a fear of failure. I'm okay with failing. That's part of the game. That's what we Mm -hmm. signed up for. So I'm more at peace with that. I think that and also reality television, losing repeatedly on national television, on comedy shows, also helped to inform this rejection and failure. It's all temporary. It's all perseverance Mm -hmm. and how you bounce back from it. That's ultimately what your story is. So let's get into your podcast. Um, I've... um, like I said, I did I did some more research on you. You had quite a few jobs. So let's talk about your podcast, uh, Roy's Job Fair. Um, what is the worst? Because you had a lot of jobs. So as far as your top 10 or your number one job where it's just like, this job was effing terrible and I wish it on nobody. What what job was that? Uh, there is a Quick Creek factory in um, in Columbia, South Carolina. I wouldn't wish that on a single soul motherfucker, period, period. It's outdoors, but it's just like the shed overhang or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's 95 degrees. And so at this factory, they make quick creek and there's a big, it's like a rock quarry. Like the whole thing is a rock quarry, but the part where the quick creek is kind of put together, it's like just this little shed near the front. And so the rocks go into a grinder and they get mixed with all the whatever the fuck the herbs and spices are to make however you make instant concrete. It comes through the machine. And so there's a guy, he's a bagger and the bagger sits. It's like a 15. It's like a seat on a big ass platform. And there's a nozzle at the edge of the seat. And he pulls a paper bag. He puts the bag on the nozzle, pulls a lever. The bag fills with quick creek to the top, pulls the bag off the lever, tosses the bag on a conveyor belt that comes down uh, to me. Mm -hmm. My only function in life for eight hours and a 30 minute lunch is to take this 10 pound bag of quick creek off of the conveyor belt and lay it onto a forklift pallet and you stagger the stacks on the forklift pallet, I think it. I think we maybe went eight high, eight high, and then a rapper comes. This motherfucker's got the easy job. This rapper comes with the cellophane and does like eight, nine laps around it, and then a forklift dude pulls up, takes the pallet, puts it on the back of an eighteen wheeler, lays down a new pallet, wash, rinse, repeat. I don't know which of those. The bagger had it easy because he's just up there and like, but you have to earn that job. You have to be here like two (laughs) years to get that job. I had the worst job. I'm still not sure if the cellophane dude had it worse because he had to walk in a circle Mm. (laughs) for eight hours. And then the worst part is that if you're not wearing a hairpiece or any type of do rag or anything over your head as I wasn't because I was new and stupid and this was daily. This is a temp service job. The dust from the quick creep, quick creep is in the air like dust. And so it mixes with your sweat. And at the end of your shift, if you don't wipe that stuff out of your hair, you have little concrete naps that are just in 
that are just in your head. You can't pull them oh out because you're getting your hair out by the roots. So I did that job for three days. <laughs> and that was that. I was like, I can't do this no more. Like, I literally cannot fucking, like, no. Like, the, the heat, everything about that was just, the Columbia was a wild time because the comedy club that, that was there, they were open six nights a week. And they would, they would book MCs two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. So I was in town for two weeks with nothing to do during the day. So I would just fucking go get a job. I would just go find work. I just, I remember we were, they were building a mega church and they were putting the spackle on the ceiling of the mega church and the spackle fell down onto the concrete foundation of what would ultimately, you know, be the sanctuary. They gave us six inch scrapers, scrapers with a six inch wide blade and told us to scrape the spackle off the floor so the floor could be smooth so that they could lay the carpet. Now, a real construction site or a real construction company rather would have put plastic down under where the spackling was being done so the spackling will fall into the plastic. Right. But you know, we dealing with you know, these these some janky promoters. And so the floor was covered in spackle and the floor was uneven, so they couldn't lay the carpet. So me and another dude, and this is a mega church now, six inch blade. So me and one guy for eight hours scraping spackling off of the floor. It took us three hours before we had enough sense to get some duct tape and take the spackle, uh, tape the scraper to the edge of a longer stick so we could have something where we could actually work upright. Because before that, we was on the floor like Forrest Gump and Bubba with the tooth with the toothbrush. <laughs> but that stuff is important. It builds character. Elbow grease. I think everybody should work food service and you should work outdoors once in your life you should do both of those those things oh my god yeah you're you're taking me back to some some janky jobs i i had which is no bueno but here we are you're not doing those jobs anymore thank goodness uh you have the podcast so what's it like uh you know doing being being part of the podcast universe now um it's interesting you know i've tried to consider there there's like people i, I don't know it's interesting when you start podcasting because it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like Peloton and vegans and dog owners where there's just an, there's an odd contingency that are really diehard. And I'm like, I did morning radio for 10 years. So in my brain, this is just another way to talk to people. This isn't that mm-hmm. different from anything else. Um, I do enjoy, here's what I'll say. The podcast gives me an opportunity to connect with strangers again, which I haven't been able to do since terrestrial radio from, because that's why I wanted to do a call-in show because I wanted to meet people. I want to talk to people, just regular motherfuckers. Hey, what are you up to? Where do you work? Give me job tips. Where do you, oh, you're hiring? Tell me about the job. What's that job like? And really trying to like, you know, screw down the nuts and bolts on who these people are Mm -hmm. um, and why they do what they do. And when you look at, when you look at employment, it's really not that different than a relationship or or food. We all have things that we love and things that we hate mm-hmm. in those particular interactions. And so employment's no different. So, you know, when unemployment started peaking last year uh, during COVID, when all the businesses started shutting down, I just thought that, well, this will be something 
fun to do for a quick minute. And then it just started rolling and rolling and rolling. And then the next thing I know, iHeart and Comedy Central come calling and go, oh, you want to do your show over here with us? Like, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, when you do the do those type of different jobs and, you know, you appreciate it because I, I, I love watching you on The Daily Show and I love your stand up because you just have a very honest perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like you it's it's one of it's almost like the the preacher who, you know, said who sinned, had three, four different wives, did did some wild stuff and could talk about it on the pulpit and, you know, say like how they came around. Like, it's kind of, you know, I'm not comparing you to a preacher, but it's kind of that, that, that same time. Like you just, you just telling the truth as is how you see it and you have the experience behind it. So that's why I really um, gravitate towards your comedy. Cause it's just, it's hilarious to me. So kudos well, for that. Thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is like a roundabout way, but I hope you got what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, that is pretty much it. First off, uh, last thing before we get out of here, um, what do you have to say to people who, you know, they're they're either experiencing that Kentucky moment or they're about to because it's just how life is. You know, there are the peaks and valleys and the ups and downs. Um, what one word of advice do you have to say to somebody um, who's experiencing that? Or one Remember sentence. Remember why you sorry. started. Remember why you started. And that is your North Star. Your instincts are what got you this far. So continue to trust those instincts. Boom. There it is. Um, where can everybody find, first off, your podcast uh, and then social uh, media? Yeah, Royce Job Fair is the podcast. And if you want to reach me, hit me online at Royce Job Fair. Follow me over there. Come say what's up. Okay. I know. I feel like I have to come. <laughs> I, have a, I had some bad jobs. I'm going to have to call in and tell you about those ones because those are yeah. You know what? Yes, yes. Whole situation. Yes, please. But thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Um, I kind of just want to give a behind the scenes quick story for everybody. So I met Roy when I was um, at Politicon and, you know, you took the time to talk to me because I was just, you know, this I was for I was for another I was doing some stuff for another network and, you know, there are all these people crowding around and you took the time to talk to me and you also promised me an interview and four years later, <laughs> you made it happen. And I really, yes. and you know, this is four years later. I think you've had two stand up specials, the deal, like you're doing all this stuff. And like, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, like I really appreciate, you know, one people who keep the words and then two, like, you know, you don't, you don't have to. And so I really appreciate you for doing that. And I just want people to know, like, like you, that dude, like, it's for real. I appreciate it, TK. I'm just, I'm just trying to be a vessel of positivity. <laughs> there it is. Thank you so much. I hope you have a blessed and wonderful rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you. Talk soon. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye